640 Toronto presents Think Tank. The breaking stories you care about. Facts and opinions that get you through the day. Now, let's meet the guests. All right, it's great to be back. The tank goes all the way through till the 8 o'clock news, uninterrupted, and we cover as much as we can. We've got some great audio, got some Taylor Swift topics near the end of things. we got some Larry David awkward interviews. It's all going to work and some uh, heavy stuff to begin with. Important stuff, uh, but heavy stuff. Here's Kevin Vong. He's the independent MP for Spadina, Fort York, and he's back on Think Tank. It's great to have you, Kevin. Morning, Greg. And yeah, likewise. And uh, lovely to have. uh, I watched this guy uh, and, of course, saw him for ages uh, reporting out on the streets. And he knows Toronto's insides and outs. And we're happy to have the host of the Brandon Gonis show on, um, which you can see on YouTube. And ironically, we have Brandon Gonis on the line. It'd be uh, it'd be odd if we had somebody who was the host of the Brandon Gonis show and it was not you. Thank you for giving us your time. Morning, Greg. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, absolutely, I'm a big I'm a big fan of your work. Um, all right, so let's start here, Brandon. Let's go right here. Um, what do you think the public reaction is? Mayor Olivia Chow lowers the budget tax hike to nine point five percent. We probably knew it wasn't going to be ten point five. We surely knew it wasn't going to be sixteen point five. But I get it. It's uh, there's some posturing, there's some public negotiation and and pushing between the city and the federal government. How do you think most Torontonians respond to this high tax hike, knowing they still want their services? Well, I'm hoping most of them actually hear about it and find out about it, because the big conversation for the last few weeks was that, you know, taxes were going up by this record amount. And the thing is, I mean, I think people forget that a lot of people don't follow municipal politics so closely. So when they hear 10.5%, and I'm telling you, I've heard this from family, I've heard it from friends, I've heard it on the streets. People believe all their taxes are going up 10.5%. That's the conversation that's happening for a lot of people around Toronto. And they don't realize that it's just property taxes going up, up by that amount or proposed to go up by that amount. And then when you hear 10.5%, a lot of people don't rationalize what actually is that in dollar terms. And we all know because we're in media, we follow this. We're politicians, we're hosts of radio shows, we're hosts of you know talk shows. And we talk about, and we know that that equated to about thirty-one dollars a month for the average homeowner, uh, based off of the average price in Toronto. Yeah, That's about three hundred and thirty-eight dollars, right? A lot of people who rent in the city experience rent increases higher than that, especially if they lived in newer buildings built after twenty eighteen that are not rent controlled. So I'm just putting things into perspective, right? And I just want a lot of people who are listening to realize that again, it is property taxes now this is going to be a win for mayor olivia chow she really showcased how political savvy she is here because she came out with a stinger right a lot of people it doesn't matter if you are municipal provincial or federal politician you heard a lot from constituents saying that they're upset about this and she got the gov- the ford government to act she's gotten the trudeau government to act and at the end of the day this is going to be a win for mm. her because now she can secure the funds to do the things that she needs to do for her city for her budget she's she's yeah. right now she's, yeah. she's laughing kevin i want to get your perspective on it but i think brandon re- raises a great point you, you sometimes forget what people uh don't know and uh and they're coming at this from a very you know we see we use layman's perspective but that's how busy people's lives are i you know you tell the average torontonian you do realize the city has no revenue tools of its own they get nothing when a pair of shoes gets sold they get nothing when they go to scotia bank and see a concert it's very difficult unlike the u.s and unlike a lot of european cities for cities to make their own money isn't it well this is a classical move greg right to put out a bigger number 
so that the, the NDP mayor can say, well, actually, we're lowering the budget tax hike to only 9.5%. Give me a break. At a time when so many people are struggling to make ends meet, when parents are having to go hungry to ensure their kids don't, when some people have to pick between heating and eating, this huge tax hike could not be more out of touch. And yes, on average, this is an extra $338 in cost. But this is something that people simply cannot afford. But remember, that's also an average number. There are also people who are going to be paying much more than that. So, Greg, I'll join Torontonians at 1030 to find out how the mayor will be spending all of the money that she'll be collecting off the backs of Torontonians. Will the budget be focused on the things that Torontonians care about, like safety, like ensuring Toronto police, the people who keep us safe, have the resources and funding that they need to do that? Or will it be to support Olivia Chow's ideological pet projects, like spending millions to rename Dundas, who was a slavery abolitionist, by the way, and instead change it after a tribe in Ghana that has no connection to our city and unbelievably were actually slave traders? Yeah, I think there's... Okay, so hold up. Let's just, yeah. let's, 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 let's just jump in here for a second because there's a lot of things that's been said. I want to first acknowledge, yes, there is a lot of pain out there. There is a lot of hardships out there. People are feeling the pinch, 100%. But let's not forget what Greg said. The only revenue tool that the city really has are property taxes to raise the amount of funds that needs to be raised to provide the services that people rely on day in, day out across the city. And we can't forget the context here, right? Like property taxes have not been going up uh, at the rate of inflation, like, you know, to support the city that the way it needs to under the previous mayor. We also need to talk about the fact that people who live outside the 416 and the 905 have been experiencing the, these type of property tax increases. If you live in Mississauga, if you live in Vaughan, if you live in anywhere across the 905, this is normal. This is not unheard of. Right. The only difference is that it doesn't get the media attention that that Toronto gets. So I just want to put that into perspective as well. The other thing we have to talk about, it's not just the city of Toronto that is that that, that is, uh, you know, who should be getting the punching bag for the cost of living crisis. This is a Ford government issue as well. This is a Trudeau government issue yeah. as well. And yeah. they actually have the financial capacity to make a big difference in people's lives, to cut income taxes, to cut small business taxes, to help provide extra resources for people. The city of Toronto doesn't have that ability. What they do have the ability to do is try to provide, you know, your winter, your winter snow clearing for your roads to make sure that city services are running properly. Yeah, yeah. And we're talking about hey. the, the city of Toronto police budget. I got to talk about this real quick, real okay. quick, right? This, their budget goes up every single year. It's never cut, and it's not being cut this year, right? They're just not getting the increase that they're asking for. So we got to talk about the fact that they've been getting increases every single year. They're probably the only city service that doesn't have their budget cut every single year. So they have to also find ways to tighten their belt. They can't be the only city department that does not tighten their belt. Brandon, I want to, I want everybody I, to do more. I want to stay with this and I want to give Kevin a chance too. And, and for, for about 30 seconds, we'll pretend that there isn't a politician eavesdropping on what we're saying, but politicians have to campaign to get elected. And can I make the case, Olivia Chow said, I'm going to, to make Toronto more affordable and now it's less affordable than it was than before she was mayor can I can make that argument but you're talking about the services that are necessary to make it work here but I don't blame people picking up saying well it doesn't work for me anymore I'm out of here yeah but I mean we got, we also have to say this like what does affordable mean right because if she has to cut you know some city services that our most vulnerable rely on because she doesn't have the budget to do that 
then who does it become more affordable to? There's a large swath of this city who yeah. can't afford this increase. Toronto's a very rich city with a lot of wealthy residents. It's also a very poor city with a lot of poor residents, unfortunately, and that income divide needs to be fixed. But the city can't fix that. That's a provincial federal issue. They have to work with the city to help create a better uh, affordable city for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have to put that into context. Kevin, I want to get your perspective really quick before we move to this uh, TDSB cell phone issue. And I want to get it on the federal give to the city. Uh, We documented, Brandon mentioned, $250 million asked for by Olivia Chow and Shelley Carroll. They're not getting that. But the federal government has said, we'll give you we're going to make you whole for 2023. So nothing slips through the cracks. We'll give you $100 million there. And our reporting documents, they're giving the city $40 million until March. That tells me they're planning on reframing and tightening up where we're at with immigration. We obviously have refugees and migrants coming here that need to come here. I think we'd all make the case and understand that we're getting some economic migrants here just looking for a better life. And, and that's not that's not what a refugee and someone running for their political lives is. Absolutely. So, Greg, I, I'm just going to say really quickly in response, Brandon, I'm the only MP of the 25 MPs in Toronto that have been standing up for the city. And I'm going to stand up for the city uh, as well and, and Torontonians that are about to have taxes collected off their back. And Toronto is the most dense city, one of the most densest cities in the country. My riding is the fifth most dense in the country. And so the same roads and services that are are being used, we have thousands more people living on top of one another relative to GTA. So I completely reject that comparison that people always bring up saying, oh, well, Toronto's taxes are much lower than the the rest of the GTA, because the reality is that is not an apples-to-apples comparison. Now, in response to to your your question, refugees are federal responsibility, full stop. This was the case when Canada welcomed my parents and other boat people 40 years ago, and it remains the case. And the Trudeau government cannot claim the moral high ground of helping people in need and and then not pony up the funding necessary to ensure they're supported on arrival. During the summer, we had refugees sleeping on the street. Some of these people fled some of the worst conditions in the world only to find themselves on the street. The Trudeau government cannot have their cake and eat it too. Provide the funding needed or stop welcoming, welcoming people. All right, let me move along here. TD, uh, great stuff on that first bit. But we'll, we'll move faster. Uh, TDSB, last night at their board meeting, greenlit development of a new cell phone policy for students. This is what the Ontario Education Minister, Stephen Lecce, told me on Toronto Today last week. I'm the first one to acknowledge that technology could aid learning. But if, it doesn't, if there's not a rules and checks and balances in place, it will be... Uh, it can undermine the learning quality and the focus of children. And I believe we need to remove the distractions from the classroom. That doesn't necessarily mean an absolute ban, because sometimes technology like cell phones may be needed in class. But there need to be strict protocols with accountability in place that if there's violations of whatever this new policy is, that there's a clear understanding for the student that there will be a penalty. I think we need to be tougher on this, even if it will be culturally challenging for the students. Well, I think we all accept this is the right thing to do. Create some limitations, some rigor, some focus in the classroom. Kevin, I want to see where you're at first on this. Um, and, and remember, government can only enforce so much. These are only about school hours. None of this documents um, the harms of social media. None of this gets kids uh, not staying up late at night and bullying each other online. But at the minimum, in our taxpayer-funded public schools, we can do a bit better, can't we? 
Yeah, I agree with Stephen. I think it's important that rules are enforced. I, I think we've seen a, a broader trend around rules and our laws not being upheld, and that's not okay. And, and it starts by teaching our, our, our youth that there needs to be rules, they need to follow rules, and, the, and if they don't, that there can be consequences. And, and come on, they're, you know, they're in schools to learn. They, they, we should create the conditions and the environment for them to be able to do that. Brandon, how do you view it? The TDSB banned cell phones in 2007, but you and I would know in 2007, a phone was just that. It was used to call somebody or receive a call. It wasn't a mini computer. It wasn't your own talk show on social. Every every <laughs> nine-year-old thinks they have their own talk show on Snapchat or TikTok. So it's changed a lot since they banned cell phones 17 years ago. What do we need here? Yeah, you know, I think this is one thing that uh, the education minister has kind of gotten right, and I think he's struck the right tone. Definitely 100%. We don't want to be oblivious and pretend like smartphones are not part of everyday society, right? Whether you're in school, whether you're out of school, whether you're working, right? We do want to make sure that we're finding ways to still incorporate that into the learning environment, because as soon as you're out of the learning environment, it is a tool that everybody uses for their day-to-day jobs. But of course, we are adults, and so we have the, the ability and the self-regulation to know when enough is enough. Most of us, maybe not all of us, but kids are still developing, and they do need to find, you know, understand and learn ways and to really be able to grasp that sometimes we have to be able to put our phone down and we need to be able to pay attention. And while that should also be taught at home, unfortunately, that's not always the case. Schools do need to be a place where, you know, when it's time to get into the book, we need to get into the book. And so, but I do not want schools to replace what also needs to be taught at home because you can't do that, right? Yeah. Unfortunately. So I think there needs to be a right tone, a right balance taken. And I think we're getting there here, but I do... You got to just put this out there when we talk about checks and balances. The Ford government also needs to have checks and balances on itself when it comes to certain things like service Ontario. But I'll leave that one. For uh, oh, you're not headed there for an appointment today to uh, to renew <laughs> renew your license. No, I'm not going to go to Staples today, Greg. Uh, you can it's 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 one stop shopping. You can get you know some some Soda Stream. You can get a couple markers, uh, some printer paper, yeah. and and get your. Uh, Get your license renewed. I'll give you guys this stat and just have you react to it really quick. 40. This is from the U.S., but why would we be any different, Brandon? 42%. This is just from three months ago. 42% of U.S. kids have a phone by age 10. By age 14, 91%. We go from 42 at 10 to 91 at 14. Like, how did we get here to this kind of madness? Well, you know, I think one of the things is safety, right? A lot of parents... You know, they send their kids off to school. They have to go to work. They want to be able to communicate with their kids. And rightfully so. We are living in a time where people can just go anywhere. And there are, you know, it does feel a little bit less safe. And so, you know, parents are providing their kids with this communication tool and device. The thing is, is unfortunately, like this device connects kids to the world and they can do a lot of things on yeah. phones compared to what their parents were able to do when they were at their age. And so I think a lot of people forget that. And unfortunately, you know, we were all kids at one point. Things can go awry. You know, things, you know, there's negative things that happen and, you know, bullying can take place. Savage things can happen <laughs> online. And so we do need to find ways to regulate that a little bit more and to be able to make sure that kids are being more accountable with what they're doing with those devices. Kevin, how old were you when you got your first cell phone? I was 17. It was in grade 12. It was a flip phone. Text cost, I think, 25 cents. And 
And still I would, you know, text my crush here and there because, you know, <laughs> that was the cool thing to do. I think back now, I'm like, oh, my God, I, I don't know how much money I spent. Um, and, and I can't believe I was doing that. But, you know, it, it's not only that people feel unsafe. Like, the city, unfortunately, is less safe. Every single major crime indicator is up. So I don't blame parents for wanting to be able to check in on their kids. I think it's, it's just as important, though, that parents are a part of educating them and ensuring that, you know, mm. they know how best to use it so that they don't yeah. go down these rabbit holes that doesn't hurt their mental health and so on. Brandon, how old, how old were you? And, and how many texts did you get that cost you 25 cents a text from your crush, <laughs> as Kevin points out? That's, you're like, come on, come on, you're killing me here. You're kill- I can't take you out if you're texting me seven times a day. I was in high school when I no, no I was in grade eight when I when I got my first flip phone, and then I remember when the iPhone the first iPhone came out during high school it was a game changer. I was BBM till I die, BlackBerry until BlackBerry just. <laughs> that was the well, original snap. That was the original Snapchat. You're right. You'd be you, you'd feel mm-hmm. honored if someone added you to their BBM library, as it were. Yeah. Listen, that oh, yeah. was the way that we were we were flexing. What's your BBM? What's your BBM? <laughs> Um, I want to fl- I want to get to this story, and I don't know how much attention it'll get. It's a big day with the budget, Kevin, um, but it involves threats to politicians. I'm seeing an MP in uh, Finchley and Golders Green, a conservative MP with Rishi Sunak, and he's quitting. He's not threatening to quit. He's not speaking out against some of the threats he's received. He's out. And uh, and and he writes this because he's had several serious threats to his personal safety. There's a group called Muslims Against Crusades. There has been an arson attack. Obviously, nobody's made everybody happy 24 seven with their opinions on the Middle East and Israel Hamas. But this is just a line too far. And we worry about this. Men, women, liberals, conservatives. And we worry about this in our own society. Maybe there's a shoe to drop and this happens. And we'll ask, how did we get to this point? What are your thoughts on this? This is a sad reminder, Greg, of why good people don't serve. I've received, unfortunately, five bomb threats now. I remember that when I got the first one, the RCMP asked me, you know, where was I going to be? Uh, on Sunday, you're at church, go to Mass. Where is it? When are you back in Ottawa? And, and I had to make the decision on whether or not to tell my wife, and I did. And we had to decide whether or not to tell uh, my mother-in-law, which we didn't. Although we eventually did, which is why I feel comfortable sharing it on air. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my wife's been accosted on the street while walking our dog. And, and, you know, I'll say, I'll be honest, when I, when I was first asked to run, I expected harassment. But I didn't expect how visceral, nor just the sheer quantity of harassment, or frankly, the dedication. Yesterday, someone created a Twitter account impersonating my wife. There are people who seemingly don't have a job. This is their job. Because I'll look and see sometimes just the times they message or comment, and it's like every hour. And honestly, it's just sad sometimes. I remember it was Thanksgiving weekend. I was with my family, um, and I just happened to, to check in on Instagram to look at you know videos of corgis. And there was a message at like 11 p.m. So where you should be spending a long weekend with your family, there were trolls yeah. out there trying to spread some hate. It's sad. But it's very alarming and it discourages good people from serving. Brandon, um, anybody in the public eye, I don't think we can relate to a politician's threats, but anybody in the public eye is going to get their share. And um, anonymity makes people pretty brave, doesn't it? It does make people pretty brave. And unfortunately, you know, whether you're a politician, even journalists have been seeing an alarming increase in death threats. 
I remember I was doxxed one time, um, you know, while I was working for that all news network um, because people didn't like the way my reporting, even though it was extremely unbiased. Um, but this is this is situation has been going on for far too long. This particular situation is extremely saddening. Um, and I don't I hate seeing any examples of this. I know that mm-hmm. alarm bells have been ringing, especially from politicians of color. We just started February 1st. It's Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Black politicians have been talking about this in this country for far too long. We've seen examples of this in the States when people talk about what they've gone through, when they try to advocate and bring awareness to issues like racism and talking about systemic racism. And there are people on other sides of this, you know, uh, 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 who disagree yeah. and being inflamed by other politicians. And, and, and it never gets taken seriously. And I don't know what it's going to take for people to start taking this seriously like is it going to take for literally a politician or somebody in the public you know space to die or get get killed for us to say it's time to stop like we need to stop you can disagree but there needs to be a line and it's happened in the uk a fair bit i want to get you guys this clip and let you both react to it there's this been this all this weird and Life's weird right now. All this weird reaction to Taylor Swift at NFL games, supporting her boyfriend, being shown on camera. I want to play you something from uh, radio host Colin Coward in the United States. I think he articulated this perfectly, but you might disagree. Here's what he said yesterday. Here's the other thing that strikes me. Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Love him. Drake on everything. Spike Lee, Knicks games. Eminem's. Michigan sporting events. We celebrate it. 80s, 90s, Jack Nicholson, Laker games. It's cool. Saw Jack. But a talented and beautiful woman is on the air. One who would never pay attention to lonely men, and it bothers them. There's a stat out there, it's kind of uncomfortable for you sad guys, that 50% of men never have real intimacy with a woman. That means the other 50% have multiple intimate relationships with women. And those ones that don't are angry and sad and lonely, and they are often misogynistic and resent women who didn't give them the time they think they deserve. Got a minute for each of you. Brandon, let me have it on those comments. Okay, so that's a little bit taking things a bit far. <laughs> like, I just think maybe some people just want to just watch football. Okay. They just want to keep it on the sport. I mean, I've watched the game and I've seen they do, they, they do intentionally put that camera on T Swift and you know, they're doing it on purpose, but mind you, like it's making the game a lot of money. I think there was an estimate upwards of 300 and odd million dollars of extra revenue that she's bringing to for Kansas city and the NFL. So, I mean, it's working. Mm. The other thing I got to say is, listen, like I said, I do believe that man took things too far with his comments. I think for the Super Bowl, if we had T Swift there, if we had Beyonce also out there, you would see a record amount of people watching that game. Mark my words. Yeah. Mark my words. Kevin. So I would like to start by by saying something. Um, my wife would like everyone to know, and for me to publicly declare that the Vong household is a Swifty household. Um, and for the first time. My wife's interest in the Super Bowl goes beyond just the commercials. And, and what Taylor Swift has been able to do for the sport has been incredible. Not, not just the $300 million, um, that, that Brandon mentioned, but in, in introducing a whole new demographic and audience who probably wasn't interested in football before. And, and I'll give you 
uh, a personal example. Yeah, gotta go quick, but go ahead. Christmas dinner. This is an Italian Catholic family, okay? That, you know, this is my wife's family. We had the football game on, Greg, okay? There's no way that we would have been able to do that before with my mother-in-law, with my wife, Christmas dinner, huge Italian Catholic tradition, and we had a freaking football game on. This says everything, it, it, you know, that, that I think we need to say about the power of Taylor Swift. Yeah, try that week six with a random uh, Jets-Browns game. See how, that, see how that goes over. I hear you. <laughs> hey, great to have you guys. Not sad, not lonely, not insecure, not at all. Three guys talking. Loved having you both on this morning. <laughs> <laughs> you have a great day. <laughs> Brandon Godas uh, and Kevin Vaughn joining us.